I want to start uh, by telling you a story. Jen and I were in Virginia Beach. We were doing, I was doing a wedding. I, I used to have a ministry uh, for college students and young adults, very much like the one that happens here at the summit on Tuesday nights. Ours was actually Tuesday night. Uh, come to think of it, you guys are copycats, okay? Uh, <laughs> and when you put a bunch of young adults together, they start liking each other and wanting to get married. And so uh, I got to do a lot of weddings. And one of them was in Virginia Beach. And while we were down there, you know, as a servant of the Lord, uh, you have to go sometimes where it's difficult. You know, Cambodia, Virginia Beach. <laughs> and so I was down there serving the Lord, uh, making it okay for this couple to... <laughs> go forth and multiply. And I, this is the first commandment in the scriptures, right? For human beings. So you're welcome. <laughs> so <laughs> and we were down there and uh, th this couple got married and then after the reception thought we would hang out. And, and Jen and I decided to go to the beach and we were in traffic. There's six lanes of traffic in Virginia Beach, three of them headed toward the beach, and we were in the middle lane of the six lanes, and there we were stuck, and it was a red light, and I look over to my left, and there's this couple, a uh, very beautifully dressed couple, very authentic uh, Indian clothing, uh, and, and uh, they're making their way through traffic. There's no crosswalk. They're just coming through traffic, and I'm watching them out of the corner of my eye, and, and as we're sitting there waiting for the light, they're coming right up to my car. And you can't see my eyes, but I'm looking to my left. And, and, and they, they come right to, the, right to my window. There's hundreds, maybe thousands of cars. Why my car? Why me? We need a ride. And here's the thing, I don't, you know, maybe they knew. I, I love picking up hitchhikers. I love it. I, I don't usually do it with my wife in the car, mind you, actually never. But I love it. I mean, one time I picked up this guy on 79. He was dressed from head to toe in, in black leather with a spiked metal collar and a duffel bag the size of a human being. I was like, hey, what you got in the bag? <laughs> I always, I always, I love it. I love to do it. But this time, I'm, I look at my wife, and she's like, oh. they look nice. They look friendly. <laughs> Famous last words, right? <laughs> I was like, come on in. Get in. Turns green, and uh, we begin driving, and, and I, I said, where are you headed? And, our hotel here, they have a very uh, th thick um, accent uh, from like India or somewhere. And, and I said, oh, where are you guys from? They said, Baltimore. <laughs> Did not expect that. We continued on and, and very nice, had a little chat, pulled into their place. And, and as they were getting out, I said, by the way, what are, you, what are your names? He said, oh, uh, my name is Andy and this is my wife, Jenny. 
<laughs> so you don't understand because my name is Andy and, and this is my wife Jenny. And they, we sat there for like five minutes and just stared at each other. What is happening right now? Just stunned, and when they finally left the, the, the car and got out, we, I pulled over, and I, my wife and I just stared at each other for a while. What just happened? What is that all about? And then we prayed, Lord Jesus, what is this all about? The end. There was nothing. No, God, there was nothing. No revelation, no reason, no spectacular miracle, no conversion, nothing. I don't know. I never know. God never told me. Nothing ever happened. It was the weirdest experience. You ever get the picture? You ever think that God's just doing stuff to mess with you? <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> Andy and Jenny from Baltimore. <laughs> For real. I think that, you know, life is so weird sometimes. It's so crazy. We have so many things that happen. And I think that's the point, at least the thing that I was trying to learn from the what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to get from this story? And it's when we step out and take risks that we end up with the story. I, I never, there wasn't anything spectacular that happened, but now I have a crazy weird story to tell. When we take risks, when we step out, when we do things out of our comfort zone, we get to experience life at a deeper level. I mean, sometimes life just doesn't make sense and we don't get the answers and we ask why and we never understand. But when we step out and when we take risks, and I want to talk to you about this today, and I'm going to use risk, and I'm going to use that as an acrostic. In each one of the letters, there's going to be a point in the message. But I, I just want to say that, and I'm not talking about the risks that end up destroying our lives. That's not what I'm talking about, obviously. Not destructive risks, but constructive the kind of risk that when we step out, we learn. That when we take these risks, we grow. The kind of risk that we take that construct the kingdom, that build the kingdom. That we come alongside of God, we step out and we trust. One of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament is when Jonathan goes to take his armor bearer and go up and fight the Philistines all by himself. And his armor bearer was like, yeah, sure, why not take on an army together, you and me? Let's do this. And Jonathan, Jonathan says, perhaps the Lord will give them into our hand. Perhaps the Lord will give them into our hand. He, he's like, I don't know. He doesn't have a clear direction. But sometimes it's in the moving forward and taking the risk and stepping out that God works and teaches us. There's a great book that John Maxwell has written called Sometimes You Win and Sometimes You Learn. And just in the title, is so constructive to our lives that if you take the perspective, what is your perspective on risk? See, sometimes we're so protective of our lives 
But if we take the perspective that when we step out to try to follow God's lead and to do things we wouldn't normally do, sometimes we'll win, sometimes there'll be a victory, and sometimes we'll learn. See, when I was a camp counselor, Jen and I worked at a camp called Camp Ligonier and Conference Center. And in that camp experience, one of the things that we would tell kids is when you come uh, to camp, you have to live in the yellow zone. So let me explain the yellow zone. So there are three zones. There's green, there's yellow, there's red. The green zone is when things are way too easy. When things are comfortable, when it doesn't take any effort, when it's just natural and it flows and it's easy. America loves the green zone. We love the green zone. We love comfort. We want to protect us from any kind of risk. We look for people to manage our risk. We, we want to stake. We love comfort. We love big, easy chairs. We love Netflix. Our risk is something that we can get by just clicking the button and getting the next episode, skipping dinner, maybe for three days and watch it. I don't know how you do it. But we love comfort. We love to stay there, to manage our risk by watching other people do it on television. The red zone is when you're paralyzed with fear. Anybody ever been in the red zone? <laughs> you ever so scared that you can't move? And one time I was fishing with my father. We were in the Allegheny Forest, and there's this little trout stream, and, and, and we were fishing. My dad loved to find places where nobody went, uh, you know, hundreds of miles from civilization. And we walked back into this stream, and we were, we were fly fishing, and I was in seventh grade. And uh, I had wandered downstream away from my father, and we were catching trout, you know, that were, well, they were, they were like four inches. But I caught like 40 of them. And so all day long, I'm taking these trout off, and, and I'm just covered with trout. I smelled like a trout. And one of the things about the Allegheny Forest is there's bears. And so there he was, taking off my, throwing it back, and, and I look up, and I see the largest animal that's ever existed. Now, I'm, obviously, it probably wasn't, but I, it was my first bear that I'd ever seen in the wilderness, and I, it was huge, and it was about 25 feet away from me across from the stream, and I froze, and I called out to my father in this voice that sounded something like, ah. I think that's what I said. And I didn't know what to do. And I was certain that the bear was going to eat me. Because that's what bears do, in my mind. You know, they say that black bears are more scared of you than you are of there. And I can guarantee you that that was not true. <laughs> and then I remembered, I had this brilliant idea. Was in my bag was bug spray. And I thought, if this bear is going to eat me, I am going to taste bad. <laughs> and I reached in my bag, and I began to cover myself with bug spray, but unfortunately, it was a pump, and so it was like... <laughs> it was really difficult. 
That's the red zone. The yellow zone is this place where we took these kids and, and we said, hey, we're going to hang you for some, from some ropes 40 feet in the air. And, and we're going to make you climb this rock tower. We're going to take you down into a cave where you can't see. And we're going to put you on a white water raft on a river where people have died. We didn't, we didn't tell them that. People did die there, but we didn't say it. But we told them that you had to step out. And if you stepped out into places and challenged yourself, wherever that zone was, that, that you would grow, that you would get the best experience. And we didn't want you to be in the green zone, but we didn't want you to be in the red zone either because you don't grow in the red zone when you're paralyzed by fear. But when you have enough people around you encouraging you, when you have enough people telling you that you can do whatever the activity was, when you have people in your life that, that, that are there to help you grow, when the activity is just tough enough that maybe you've never done it, but you think that you can, and you believe that God can help you accomplish it, when you trust that God will help you do the impossible, that is the place that you grow. So I want to encourage you today as we talk about risk and jump into this passage that you need to live in the yellow zone in your life. You need to leave here today and figure out what that is. Maybe you've come to church in the red zone and you need to figure out how to get out of that. But I imagine that there's a lot of us that come in the green. And so I want to look at this passage. If you want to turn, Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Do we have that? Awesome. And I love this scripture. It's, it's one of the strange ones that I, I think sometimes we bypass. And it says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers. Now, watch what happens. Jesus put his fingers in his ears and then spit and touched the man's tongue. I just want, I want to imagine your first time in church. <laughs> and you've come up for prayer. I just want you to put that. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said, Ephrathah, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were open, his tongue was loose, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He had done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear in the mute speak. So I want to use this acrostic. It's acrostic, not an acronym, by the way. Okay? Just so you know. This acrostic in the R stands for, and I think I'm breaking a rule here, risk. <laughs> so the first letter in risk, the acrostic, is risk. If you want to see life change, 
You've got to risk something. When we look at this, Jesus is outside of his normal hometown. He's outside of his normal area where he goes. He's outside of the place where he normally went to, and he's reaching people beyond that. And I want to ask you, how often do you get outside of your normal realm or your normal areas of interacting and going? See, we're all creatures of habit, not a bad thing. But, but when do you take the risk? When do you step out and do something you haven't done before? When do you go across the office, say, to those people on the other side? When do you get outside of your neighborhood or your place or the places where you normally eat or the pew that you normally sit in or, (laughs) or, or where you normally interact with people? When do we get outside of that? Let me, let me tell you, any high schoolers here? My high school is, yeah. How about the table you normally sit at at lunch? <laughs> I mean, I think some of the cra- one of the craziest things to do would just find the table that you don't. And, and listen, adults, you're not out of this because this happens at work too, right? You sit with the same people. Guys, if you go to a different table, right? Maybe find the table that you would normally never go to. So if you're on this table and there's the jock table over there, just go and sit down and see what happens. Who knows? Find out what you would learn. I mean, maybe you learn how to fight. I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. But we have to take a risk. I knew this kid I had in youth group, and he was amazing. He was one of the kids that had just, for whatever reason, been able to infiltrate every group. And it was like a superpower that he had. He could go, and he was friends with everybody and sit at any table. And I watched him. I would go to to lunch and just watch him sit at every table and, and sit down and talk to them and befriend them and find out what was going on. Listen, This might be the red zone for some of you, okay? And I know that there's introverts and extroverts, and I get it. But but when are we going to step outside of our circle and start meeting the people that we don't need to, that we haven't met before? We say at Celebrate Recovery that nothing great happens when you hold back. So where are you holding back? Where am I holding back? Do we answer that question for ourselves? There's a study done of people 95 years old and older, and when asked, what would you do differently, one of the number one answers was, I would risk more in life. I would take more chances. So where are we holding back? What line do we need to cross? Is it the county line? Is it State Street? Is it 38th Street into the city? Is it across the church? Is it across the plant? Is it across the office? Where do you need to go to begin to meet the people that God wants you to meet? Letter I is intentional. See, these people brought this guy and they brought him right to Jesus. They were intentional about seeking Jesus out and bringing their friend and introducing him to Jesus. And as I thought about this, I thought, you know, one of the things that we makes sense is that we invite people here, right, to to our church, to our community of worship. And 
invite them in and, and, and show them the community that we have here and the love that we have here. But I don't think that that's all the time how we introduce people to Christ. Because I think sometimes it needs to start way before that. So what are you doing with your life to reach out to other people outside? What are you doing intentionally to, to put yourself across the tracks? This uh, friend that, that called me, uh, and she was a missionary to Yemen and Saudi Arabia. And, and she was just a real quiet, timid kind of a shy person, you know, when she first came uh, to the food pantry, uh, she, it was hard, you know, originally to talk to her, and, and I'm pretty, like on the extrovert scale, I'm kind of towards the more extroverted place, and I found it a little bit hard to connect with her, you know, and she had been this, minister, uh, this missionary to, to, to people that were um, of the Muslim faith and telling them about Christ, and listen, if you are a missionary in the Middle East, I'm going to say you're probably pretty tough. And this gal wanted to come because her visa was denied and she wanted to continue to do missionary work and so she began to come to the mission and help us at the food pantry. And all of a sudden she started just meeting all of these families that were refugees from Iraq and Syria and different places. And now she's created this friend network of all these people in our city. Uh, she speaks Arabic and she's helping them get the resources that they need. There were some people that were there for the, you know, just got here from Syria in, in July and she's helping them get the resources. I mean, she's stepped out in different places into some pretty tough situations in order to connect people to Christ. And I think, what are we doing? But, you know, listen, none of all of us know Arabic, right? I mean, I, mean, I have some good news. Uh, most people in Erie County speak English. How, how many here speak English? <laughs> Excellent. All right, awesome. I mean, one of the things that I've done over the years, and this sounds small, but I've picked a place, Tim Hortons, and I go there all the time. I hate sitting in an office, and I think, why sit in an office if one of my jobs is to reach out to people? I don't see anybody in my office. And so for the last 15 years, I've set up shop at coffee shops. The other day, I, I was talking to this woman at Tim Hortons right over here on Peach Street, whatever direction that is, and... Uh, she usually sees me at the one down in 12th Street by the mission. And she sat down on her break, and she said, all right, can we talk? And I've never really talked to her before. I was like, uh, yeah, I, I'm scared right now, but yes, go. <laughs> she said, so down at the other one, when I was down there, I, I would always hear you having these like Bible studies and talking about God. And, and, and are you some kind of priest? And I said, well, I mean, I, no, yes. <laughs> I said, I'm a chaplain at the city mission. So, well, what's up with this God thing? See, I, she says, I have this friend, and she has terminal cancer. And she loves God with all of her heart. And she's so patient. And she loves me so much. And I don't get it. She's the one going through all this difficult stuff. 
And I find myself pouring my heart out to her and her helping me. She said, what is, all, what is that about? What is going on with you God people? She said, I lost my parents, both of them. And then two months ago, I lost my brother to suicide. And two weeks ago, I lost my grandmother. And now my best friend has terminal cancer. And I, I don't know what to do. And I told her about my faith and I told her about what it means to follow Christ. And I told her about the awesome blessing of being a part of a family that can support you and care for you. And we began to talk and she began to ask questions about where to go. And I'm going to continue to get coffee and I'm going to continue to talk to her. And I'm going to continue to point her your direction or wherever she fits. And just making a decision to do something intentional and build relationships with the people there that you haven't met yet. To reach out and to step across those lines. Be intentional. S, spend time empathizing. So if you're a note taker, risk, be intentional, and spend time empathizing. That used to be sympathizing, but my wife corrected me and said, what you're talking about is really empathy. And so I switched it to spend time empathizing. And when you study the scriptures, you look at this passage and you see what Jesus does here. And it just blows my mind. And I think if you look at the history of the scriptures and you look at all the things that God had ever done, I believe, and I could be wrong, but this is the first incident in the scriptures where somebody gives somebody else a supernatural wet willy. (laughs) Jesus literally plugs himself into this guy. I mean, imagine it. So you're there getting prayer for the first time. You're at church, and somebody comes up and sticks their fingers in your ears and then spits on your tongue. And I don't know if he spit on his hand and put it on his tongue or just spit right on his tongue, but then you get an image. It's weird. How many people, if that happened to you, would come back? How many would come back if you got healed? It says Jesus is literally plugging himself into this guy, and he looks up to heaven and says, lets out a deep sigh. And in the Greek, that means like this deep groan from within of pain. And I believe that Jesus is literally feeling the pain and the struggle that this guy has been through. He's literally empathizing with this man. And he looks up to heaven and he groans for the pain that this guy has experienced. He empathizes. But see, with Jesus, it doesn't just stop with empathy because he's able to heal him. But I believe when we start taking those risks and we step across those lines and we start meeting people that we haven't met and we start building relationships with people that are new to us, we're learning and we're being challenged and, and, and we're growing, we need to empathize because we could jump into a situation and just start trying to fix people's problem and they shut us down because you don't know me like that. Empathy is where we feel the pain that people have been through. We try to understand their journey, their story, to talk to them, to buy them some coffee and listen. 
Too many of us, I believe, in the, in the process of trying to introduce Christ to people are trying to just fix them right there and not connect with people. And I believe one of the things that Jesus does so well is he connects with where they're at. See, sympathy and empathy is different. Sympathy is feeling bad for somebody. Empathy is feeling what they're feeling. Those are very different. So my wife and I were never able to have kids. In, in, in that journey, when people find this out, people do weird stuff. People say weird things. And they try to fix it for you. And it's not helpful, by the way. It's this not helpful. They start trying to help us get pregnant. Well, have you tried this? You know what worked for us? Two ceramic elephants on either side of our door into our bedroom. A ceramic dragon you could place on the man's side to help him with his manhood. I'm not even sure how that's connected. And people would say things like trying to, oh, well, you know, you don't have kids. Okay, you, you, you know, your, your youth group is your kids. And then, and then I, your college students are your kids. And then, you know, as I became a pastor, your church is your kids. And then I became a chaplain in Erie City Mission. And then your Erie is your children. I'm sorry. Erie is not my children. And it's with the best intentions, but people feel uncomfortable and they want to fix the problem. You know, you know what worked for us? I don't know. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know what worked for you. Okay, you're going to tell me. Okay, so you know what? Why don't, if you just have some wine. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, we've been to the doctors and we've taken medication. We've been to Cleveland Clinic and you and your glass of wine is going to fix our problem. Thank you. Well, you know, there was this position, oh, no, no, but they don't stop. They don't stop. They just keep going. They, and I, it's true. Have you thought about taking a cruise? This is real, folks. Yeah, I've been on a cruise. Three days in the open ocean, we got hit by a tropical storm. The boat was at a 45 degree angle. Stuff's crashing off the shelves. People are vomiting everywhere. You know what? I wasn't in the mood. Not in the mood. Empathizing is going to a deep place in yourself and connecting with the pain that they might be experiencing. To understand where they're at. To understand the journey that they've been on. And that Christian platitudes don't fix the problem. Christ does. Which brings me to the last point. The K stands for know that only Jesus breaks the chains. It says, he opened his ears, and it says his tongue was loosened. And in the Greek language, that literally means the chain on his tongue was broken. When we begin to connect with people, 
at a deep level, to understand their pain and their journey, and to say, you know, I'm here. And wait for the opportunity when they ask, or to wait for the opportunity that makes sense to begin to share your story, or to share what Christ has done. But to build that relationship, to connect with people at a deep level, but to know that the answer is Jesus, that you will not fix it, that only Jesus breaks the chains. To know that if we're going to reach this city, if we're going to reach this county, if we're going to reach our friends, if we're going to reach our family members, if we're going to reach the people at our schools, we've got to know that Jesus is the answer and that we have him. And so we have everything that we need. And the Holy Spirit is leading us. And as we listen to him, sometimes we're going to make mistakes. Sometimes we're going to win. Sometimes we're going to lose. But we keep moving forward, taking Christ and listening to what the Holy Spirit tells us to leave these doors today, to go into this community, to connect with people that maybe we would never even think of having a relationship with. And go meet them in their house, meet them on their block, meet them where they are. And to begin to connect with them and find the places to share Christ with them. See, if we want things to change, it's very simple. We have to change what we do. One of my favorite verses or quotes that I've shared here before, and I'll end with this, that your system is perfectly designed to achieve the results you're currently getting. Your system is perfectly designed to achieve the results you're currently getting. I heard that I pulled off the road and I sat there for about 20 minutes. I realized, oh, I have to do something different. I have to change in order for things to change. We've got to change our system. We've got to change where we go. We've got to change what we do. We've got to learn more. We've got to read the scriptures and find out the next step. Lord Jesus, lead us into this. We don't have the strength on our own. Without him, we can do nothing. But with him, what? All things are possible. And my prayer for this church And I know that you're doing so many amazing things already. And I know that you're partnering with us at the mission. And I know that you're reaching these kids with royal family and and going on mission trips. But sometimes in our regular life, we just need a little extra push to take that risk to reach that person that's across the way. So as we close, would you pray with me? God, I ask you for the strength to to take that step, to cross that line, to step out of the green and into the yellow zone in our life, to take the risk that you're calling us to take and to watch you work as we do, either in us or through us or both. And may you get all the glory for what happens in and through this community and body of Christ as we step out and seek to reach those that are still far from you with a message of hope and truth found only in Jesus Christ as he begins to break those chains that are holding back this community. And we pray this in your name. Amen.